All right, let's get real, let's get raw, as my dear friend Liz Benny says. Today's episode was amazing for me. I came across an Instagram clip on my flight home from Bali, watched this incredible woman give a tip that applied, landed for me, dug into her story, and I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to you. And then she came on the podcast, and this podcast includes her background, her story, her struggle with addictions, mine, my struggles, where it shown itself in entrepreneurship where it got in the way in life how it was fixed and like the whole story so it's loaded it's juicy it's valuable uh it was an incredible honor uh pretty raw vulnerable uh feel pretty exposed on this one and stevie thank you so much i'll just thank you in the intro as well for coming on the show for having such a deep conversation for being so open uh, and vulnerable and sharing so many valuable lessons and takeaways with so many people so for those Getting ready to listen. Uh, please enjoy this episode. I'm really, really excited to share it with you. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Mind of George Show. And like a traditional idiot, I should have hit record 20 minutes ago because my incredible guest, Stevie, uh, who I will introduce in a minute and I will tell you why she is here because I basically was like, hey, nice to meet you. You have no idea who I am. Will you come on my podcast, please? Uh, And I gave her no context, (laughs) no nothing. And I was like, Ashley, reach out. And so let me kind of tell you why I'm excited. Um... A lot of people ask me all the time on the show to talk about my story and to talk about why I do the things that I do and how I overcame that and why I'm so bullish on this. And then a lot of you ladies look like, yeah, George, but that's what dudes do. And that's what blah, 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 blah. And some of you dudes are like, oh, it can't just be you. No, there's lots of us and we talk about it a lot. But today I just happened to have an incredible person because I was flying home from Bali about six hours deep into breaking my own rules that I teach you. I was on Instagram in the death scroll, and uh, I came across this incredible reel uh, from today's guest. And then I was like, I get you. I want to watch everything you're doing and talking about. And then the more I dove in, the more and more excited I got to sit here today and ask questions and just listen for so many incredible reasons that I I picked up. And so today's guest is uh, somebody who I've known for about 21 minutes, (laughs) and I'm really, really excited to know her. We are not so distant neighbors. We're relatively close, which excites me. And we actually share the same mountains between us that we use to hike and feel better and get out into the world. And so I don't know. And then I'll tell you on the first 20 minutes of this conversation, I was like, she gets it. She's grounded. She's empathetic. She's present and just has like the most radiant personality and light. And so without further ado, I would like to welcome Stevie to the show. So Stevie, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, thank you for having me. I'm super, super excited to be oh, here. Oh, of course. Of course. I'm like just ready to have a cup of coffee and I'm ready to kind of kind of have a conversation. And so I kind of painted the picture, but I'll, I'll kind of lead you a little bit. So I would love for you to just kind of, in however you would like, to kind of tell everybody how we got to the Stevie of today. 
that that's a loaded question and like a lot to unpack because <laughs> that's like a whole lifetime of of shit honestly. yes we cuss on this podcast so you are completely safe okay yep. good good <laughs> um so i guess starting from the yep. beginning uh as a child i i was always like very I don't want to say bad, but just very large personality ever since I was a little yep. kid. My parents never knew what to do with me. I was always trying to get their attention um, just for the sheer fact that I don't think that they could give it yep. to me. They ended up divorcing when I was five years old and they fought viciously over me. And I moved from town to town you know, my mom had a very, her own trauma and baggage. So she'd get into relationships. We'd move in with them. They'd break up. We'd leave town. And it was that kind of domino effect for my entire childhood. Mm -hmm. And that's how I learned how to deal with relationships and emotions was to just run. Yep. Um, never let anybody get to know you well enough because then it's really – it it causes a lot of pain. So before that happens, just cut it off, leave. So that's kind of my story. I oh, Can I can I, I pause you really for a second because learned... you're at like a thought pause yeah. for a second. You literally remember before we hit record you're like you just spoke to my soul. Yeah. You just spoke to my soul because one of the things that I tell people now is everybody for years like you're so vulnerable, you're so vulnerable. I'm like no 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 no. I'm as vulnerable as I am to keep you in an arm's distance and in fully control of this relationship so that I can leave at any moment or know where I stand. Absolutely. And it's, yeah. and so when you, when you said that, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a fine line because even now, and I don't know if it's a form at the time, it was definitely a form of manipulation, right? Like this very trusting, um, charming, person that gets you to open up but never really yeah, fully you know, just gives you enough yep. to keep you interested yep. and i will say though it, it it's a it's a it's a trauma survival mechanism though right because now obviously stevie of today looks like oh it was manipulative but then when your nervous system feels threatened and you don't have an awareness of it it's for survival and so, yeah, Absolutely. I just, I wanted to say that for anybody listening too, like just to be careful and, and my, one of my incredible dear best friends ever, Stefanos, uh, helped me have many, many distinctions around this. He's like, no, 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 brother. That is the reason you made it through that situation. And it is the only reason you made it through that situation. But now that you're through that situation, you have to learn how to not do that anymore because you learned something and, you know, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It, it totally is. We only can do the best with what we know at yep. that time. And in order to prote protect ourselves, lots of the time, like for me back then, I built big walls. I was dishonest. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to form deep relationships or connections. I, it was just basically like a mask I wore throughout my childhood because I was like, what's yep. the point? Everybody leaves anyways. Yeah. There's no, there's no yep. point. And 
this followed me into, I want to say junior high. So right around like 12 yep. years old, I was, didn't want to be in school. I of course was drawn to the people that you never want your children to hang out with because they made me feel special and important. And like I belonged somewhere mm-hmm. and it was right around 12 years old that I found substances and alcohol and drugs. Wow. And I liked the way it made me feel, you know, it made me feel what I was missing. Uh, I was overweight for all my life. It made me feel confident. It made me feel pretty. It made me feel outgoing and like, I mean, I don't need to go into nope. detail. I'm sure anybody yep. knows that feeling. Yep. <laughs> And I just kind of took that as my new identity, oh, right? Was the alcohol because I liked who I was. You sure we didn't like grow up as siblings that were like kind of, <laughs> kind of separated a little bit? Jesus. Whew. Yep. Mm-hmm. The only, the only thing is I'll give you a pause point for a second. Cause, uh, that's, that, that's the first diversion that I've seen for us because, and only because of force because social services got involved with us for the first time at like 12. And then that's when I was like of the awareness that like my house wasn't safe. So like 13 was homeless. And so it went to working three jobs, four jobs and lying about my age. And then because I was homeless because of my parents' drug problem and the abuse, I immediately, my wall was every drug means you're the worst human being in the world to the point when I met my wife in 2013, 12, 13, I think, which 10 years ago, I literally told her she belonged in federal prison because she had weed, like marijuana. And I was like, no, no, I won't ever come over your house again. Like, that's how bad it was because then the military ingrained it even deeper. And so then it wasn't until I was like 34 years old that like my whole life rocked because it's actually plant medicine and psychedelics are what saved my life. Right. Yeah. And that's so interesting. It's so interesting. Like, I was just going to say yeah, that. Yeah, like- yeah. Yeah. And so it's, um, it's really, really interesting. And so, yeah. And hearing what you say and, and for everybody listening, like, I also want to say this for everybody listening to like the amount of times that I felt alone, even in hearing a lot of what you're talking about over the years, even up until a couple years ago, just because I felt like nobody else felt that way or nobody else saw it that way. Or, you know, one of the things I tell people too is like trauma is relative and be really, really careful to compare because the feelings are the same. And so we can like understand each other. And so it's also actually really, really nice hearing you like share. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. 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 I had that too. Yeah. 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 Oh, yay. Oh, and I always always say like and it's true we connect in our pain we don't connect in the good times nobody connects to each other when everything's perfect it's in those really terrible times where we see somebody that feels the same as we do and we're like holy shit like we're not alone when we feel so alone like nobody could possibly understand and it's in those moments where we're able to be like holy shit yeah yeah my um (laughs) One of my really, really dear friends who's been on that show a few times, Brian Bogart, which you'll probably meet one day. I'll send you his content. But he um, 
he uh, had his arm ripped off when he was like nine. He got ran over by a truck in a parking lot in Arizona. And then through like the most miraculous of stories that I can't even explain or tell, like he still has an arm, but it's uh, a lot smaller and weaker. And his whole body got run over by the vehicle, right? So he's lived with the most excruciating amount of pains his whole life until like recently. But he has this incredible talk called Embrace Pain to Avoid Suffering. Because, you know, pain is just an emotion, but it's part of the human experience, which creates the experience, right? Like there is no experience without that. It's almost the gateway into a living, but it's not always pain. It's every emotion and all of them, but we also can't compartmentalize. And so every emotion we have to feel if we want to be able to feel all of them. Yep. Yep. And that's, I think the big, biggest struggle with people, right? Is that nobody, everybody will go through every extent not to feel their emotions because they feel as though they're wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that, that's the crazy part, right? Because like you say that I say that, but like here, nowhere have I ever like maybe 10 times in my life have I ever been like, I don't want to feel every other time it's been like a reaction or a behavior or a belief or hearing something. Right. And then I'm like, Oh, I'll go check that out on Instagram and then getting sucked in. Right. Like gone. Right. Like I missed the days when I hit the end of my newsfeed and said, you're all caught up. And then like, it wouldn't refresh for like two hours because nobody posted anything. And I was like, Oh, back in the days. Right. And so, and even hearing you say that it's so true everywhere. It's like conditioned to, but it's like, Oh, post on social, go watch Netflix, go consume this, go do here. Oh, you feel like shit. Don't do anything. Sit on the couch, do, (laughs) do blank. And it's just this, it's this constant conditioning, like almost everywhere environmentally. And then the logical part is like, you think about it and I don't think anybody's ill-intended, but we also were like really never taught how to feel. And the world we live in right now, they literally, what it feels like to me is very slowly and forcefully removing emotion at every level. And it's not a person, it's a byproduct of an entire ecosystem. And it's almost like, I just want to hit brake check like everybody and be like, yeah, cause you have your seatbelt on and so do I, <laughs> everybody else doesn't, <laughs> or, you know, yeah. some do, some don't. Right. But it's like, Hey, breathe, like, stop, just stop. Right. Like you might get hit by a fucking car in 35 minutes and die. Stop. Just stop for a minute. Right. Like let's live, let's yeah. be. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Oh man. And also on the flip side of that though, like, who was taught how to express their emotions in a healthy way, right? Like, especially from our generation, I was never taught how to like keep bury that deep down inside. Nobody talks about that stuff. And if you do, there's something like you're sick. Oh yeah. And I was a pussy for crying at every level. And I was a very emotional kid because I watched my brother and myself be abused. And I felt that shit. Like I cried myself to sleep every night and then I'd be made bad and wrong for crying. And I'm like, like it, 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 yeah, it was horrible. And it, and it is when people cry They're very often. And what I notice it in my clients yeah. and friends and relationships is that people, when they start to cry, they go, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so yeah. sorry. And it's like, what are you sorry for? Like, why are you sorry for 
saying how you really yep. feel. Yeah. And like the other thing too is like, and this is from doing a lot of work with plant medicine, breath work, you know, all this stuff is when they say that to me, I say, just remember if it's coming up, it's coming out and you only lose when you push it back down. Right. Like, because the human body, and, and I tell this to people, cause like when I facilitate breath work, right. We're like, Hey, and as you breathe, you might feel this, you might feel this, like you might get chills, your body might shake, you might yawn, you might laugh. Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, do you know what that is? And I'm like, no, I'm like, that's purging. It's your body picking whatever mechanism it wants to release something as you're in this container, like hiking. Why do I love hiking so much? Because uh, I have a purge button built in on the same spot on the hill because it's just the right spot where it hurts every time. And then my brain takes it and I'm like, oh, there's my cave. Found it. We're going in it. Right. Like, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's really, it's interesting. And uh, yeah, like hiking since we're on oh this is such a perfect segue we're gonna do this for the i'm gonna have to take us back off hiking at some point (laughs) but you're way more of a savage than me because like here and i'm just gonna frame this before we talk about hiking remember thought but like because i had to be a marine for 13 years i was like i'm never camping again and i am no longer there but like i love like really long ass day hikes And I like getting to the point where like, I feel like I can't get my car home and then just crashing in my bed for like 16 hours. It's the best. And like, so like the reason I incorporate hiking and mountain climbing into all my coaching and it's because for myself, um, being an ex addict and alcoholic Uh, I found that it was the only thing that took me to that place where I was forced to show up for myself. I was forced to be scared. I was forced to sit in it alone. Mm -hmm. And I had to have the confidence in myself to get me through. Nobody else was going to come out there and save me. And I still find that to this day, like when you push your limits physically, you mentally have to show up for yourself. And it's so powerful and because a lot of us, yeah, we don't know how to do that in real life. So it's like, just throw them on a mountain. Well, and then, <laughs> like, and, but but then like... also think about it too. A lot of people are shamed for doing it. They're being told they're selfish. They're being gaslit into trying to process their, like it's, it's so crazy to me. And it's even more a testament to what you said. Like you have to you have to give yourself the chance. Like you have to give yourself the ability to just go, no, no, I know this is for me. Like I, I have to, right? Like that, that's yeah. a, the way that you say that is so beautiful. Like I love hearing it through your lens too. Thank yeah. you. Well, yeah. And um, when I, I still get scared and this is a shock to people that I'm afraid of heights, which is doesn't make any sense, but I'm a lot further along than I was. But every time I get somewhere where I am so scared, I freeze. I have to, I cry. Yeah. I, I'll cry it out. Yeah. I'll ugly girl cry on the side of the mountain, but I, I have to pull myself back yeah. together in order to get out of For there. For sure. To order to keep that going. is why I love hiking so much. It is a forced, 
Well, uh, I have a book recommendation for you if you haven't read it. It's called The Comfort Crisis okay. by Michael Easter. I talk about it on this podcast all the fucking time. It is a it. manual for how you live your life right now, but it will also give you an incredible tool set on a level that I think you will really enjoy. I want you to like text me and be like, yeah, I liked it because I will start sending more. Okay. Um, but in, in the book, uh, my favorite part is uh, he talks about, and it's an old Japanese ritual, and I won't explain it on the pod, but uh, a masogi, right? And the, there's only three rules to a masogi. Uh, you can't die. You can't tell anybody else about it. And you have to have at least a 50% chance of failure. I do at least one a month. And it has changed my life. And uh, it's pretty, pretty powerful. But when you talk about that, it's the compression of like knowing our brain hits slow down at 40%. It's like, nope, you're running out of gas at 40%. And you're not even close. Like you got three quarters of a tank left. But the brain is like, no, you're done. And then with that, like those are my favorite ones where I'm like, oh, yeah. I love it when I like go out on like a five mile run and on that fifth mile, I'm like, I'm not going to make it home. And I'm like, yes, let's go. There it is. Like that is my favorite place to live. I have to admit that it's mine as As well. As two former addicts, I think it's the healthiest choice we could find. (laughs) (laughs) For for real. Yeah. (laughs) And like, we can even create a a new addiction, but like, I don't think anybody's ever going to find any research to say nature and connection and laughing and yeah, isn't bad. bad. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. With that being said, like what you were talking about with the 40% and- it's interesting how it is all mindset, even in, in life in general, not just endurance sports. It's all mindset. Your mind will give up before your body does always. Mm-hmm. And learning how to train that piece of it is everything. It's just like a total 360 when you learn that you have a choice. Yes. That is the... <laughs> That is the one that was hardest to accept because I knew I had a choice way below, way before I put my hand on the steering wheel while I was telling everybody I was driving. Like I, I took our wound of being authentic to let me tell you the game that I'm playing. And even to the point where I convinced myself that I was playing it. Uh-huh. And then that would describe the last three years that I explained to you before we started the pod, which everybody on this show is going to hear about in a full episode. So they'll have already heard it or they will, but not sharing anymore. But that's what it was. And I literally found an audio recording on my phone today from March of 2020, just randomly scrolling through my phone. And that happens to be the month I took the photo when I was like 237 pounds three years ago. And uh, I recorded it because I had just gone on like my first hike in I don't know probably a year and I just went out my backyard and started walking up hills and I recorded this audio about how I realized that I wrote a playbook and I was telling everybody I was running the plays but I would go onto the field without the ball and it would get really really leaky and I found it on the hike and it's because I realized I had an idea and I had it written it down and this is going to sound so silly And I realized in that moment that I hadn't been doing my journaling. And I realized that I'd stopped journaling about a year prior. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm literally like designing these plays, never writing them down, never making sure they work. And it was like a five minute journaling practice. 
and that was March of 2020. But on paper, I was the most successful I'd been, making more money than I ever made, doing all of it because that's how I'd convinced myself, look, my plays are working. Look, they're creating results. And then the truth was is that I was avoiding my pen to paper because the only thing that I would have said is you're killing yourself and avoiding yourself and none of this makes you happy and you're still trying to convince yourself that it will. And that's where the truth was. And it was back to pen to paper. And literally it's so crazy because I just took the after photo last week and I didn't intend to take an after photo. I've just was in Bali and we had a photographer and we were at the beach because we were doing a shoot for the team. And they're like, you should do a photo shoot. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And then I was like, well, I guess we have after photos now, but then I found that audio recording this morning. And I realized the only difference is that every day since then, I'd say 80% of the time without no more than two weeks of a relapse into falling out, I have hit those behaviors and it's to the point where they just feel like muscles now that flex themselves and it gets easier and easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah when you, when you say that, um, I relate when I think about when I first started, uh, my hiking journey, cause it was the only thing I really used that as like my recovery method. Was and that what you chose? Like when coming out of addiction was you're like, I'm going hiking. I love yeah. it. Me too. Yeah. Uh, my parents were always very active when I was younger. And I guess when I first got sober, that's like where I went back to was when I was a little kid. Like the last time I was actually truly purely happy or whatever, however you want to say it. So I just, I felt automatically drawn to the mountains, but that in itself became a new addiction and not that it was negative, but I was searching for answers that I was expecting to find somewhere else you know like quitting my job and moving into a camper and selling all my stuff and going on all these hiking and travel adventures hoping that I just find the answer and my biggest lesson that I continuously had to learn was that they weren't waiting for me on some mountaintop they weren't waiting for me in like the jungle in Thailand, they weren't waiting for me in the mountains of Kyrgyzstan. Like (laughs) it just, and I was so let down every time. I was like, why do I still feel so empty? Mm -hmm. Like, why, why isn't this making me happy? Mm -hmm. Like it seems to make everybody else Uh happy. And then I feel like that's the cap you hit where you're like, holy crap. Like I'm not actually doing the work. I'm avoiding the work. And I literally call that the only finish line because it's the one finish line where you realize there's never another finish line. There isn't. And the acceptance of that is so huge. And it's something that nobody wants to hear, Mm -hmm. right? Is that it never ends. Oh, half the time I don't want to hear it in my own brain. I'm like, no, shut up. I don't want to hear this right now. I want the lady in the red dress and the steak. Can I just have the lady in the red dress and a steak for like 10 minutes? And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't really want that. Never mind. I don't want to give away the rest of it. Right. Like I'm like, oh no, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. I have a, I have a, I have a question. So when you, and I want to talk about this and and hiking now, right? Like who do you primarily, like you have clients, you do coaching, right? Like who do you coach? So the majority of women that I coach, I work with women yeah, yeah. only, um, they are 
people who have felt the yeah. same, um, very lost, yeah. not sure who they are, um, kind of, you know, have worn a mask through their whole life. Lots of them are newly divorced or their kids have moved out and they never really got to know mm. who they were. And they're kind of on this brand new transition of life, figuring it out. And so they are very drawn to me because I'm a firm believer that like hiking, not that the answer is waiting for you somewhere, but it it's a very powerful tool yes. to use for you to realize the opposite of that actually yes. is that it's yes. not. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I love that. I love that. What are, yeah, I, I was just, so like when you started hiking, so coming out of like going into recovery, did you like instantly kind of feel back into it or did you kind of like go straight into the deep end or like, what was it, what was it like? So when I first got yeah. sober and clean, um, I actually got clean and sober at separate yeah. times. So when I got clean, I still drank, but that instance, um, I had a very pivotal moment happen. I know we kind of talked about that in the be beginning, yep. but I was in an extremely toxic relationship, you know, being super overweight and just digging my claws into anybody that would love me, but they, they didn't, right? They never, mm -hmm. they were... I was always the love me, please. And they were like, get away from me. <laughs> oh, I was <laughs> a like stage nine ending. clinger. Stage nine clinger. Well, and it's like going to like people's attachment types too, like from previous yep. trauma and knowing what that is. But that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but during that time, I, I allowed another human being to bring me so low that I felt like life wasn't worth living anymore. And I, that was the first time where I had attempted suicide with an overdose. And when I woke up, it was, I was in the hospital and the doctor had told me what happened. And he said pretty much like, I don't mean to be cheesy, but they were like, it's a miracle that you survived. Like, and I kind of took that as like confirmation, like there's something else out there for me. And just that feeling of being so sick of your own Bull. bullshit. Yeah, yep. Like That's just oh, wanting to crawl out of your own skin and just yeah. being like, like I used to describe it that it would feel like there was a monster inside of me that just wanted to like obliterate like my body and turn into whatever, but like something just wanted to get out. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I didn't know how to deal with it. I had no idea where to start. I didn't know. I knew that I couldn't go back to any of my old friendships. I knew that because when you think about recovery, like that's what's so hard about it is that you literally have to change your whole yep. life. And you begin, you know, the people that were there for you, like your family, like all of your relationships are broken. Yep. You've caused a lot of yep. pain and you have to face that. And that is by far like the hardest part is being like, I've 
hurt these people so much and like i just want to add a one line i would say it was the hardest and most rewarding part for me i agree the most rewarding like it it's the reason like i have the relationship with my son that i do and my wife that i do and my kids and myself and like my clients because like i cry about this a lot but like i know when you nail a hole into a fence and you pull the nail out, the hole is always there, but it doesn't mean I can't spend the rest of my life letting you know that I will never pick up a hammer anywhere near you again. And if anybody tries, my hammer will swing out theirs way faster and I will knock it out of their fucking hand. Like that's it. And like, I feel like it gives me purpose. I feel like it gives me meaning. I feel like I know why I'm here. And I'm like, this has to be the game. This has, this has to be. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry. I just felt like Absolutely. sharing that. Well, yeah, and it's a beautiful ripple effect yeah. that happens yeah. in your life. Um, my mom is now, I, I held a lot of resentment against them mm-hmm. both, but my mom especially, um, but healing that relationship and seeing her break through her trauma, you know, at 50 years old, she's like a completely different person, like trying to find herself and making all these changes. And like, it's just so beautiful to see that it's like, Oh, and she's like my biggest fan. And I'm like, it's just, it's such a beautiful relationship now. And it's got, I love that. Okay. I want to say something for everybody listening to kind of tie a couple pieces together. Cause I'm going to ask you like a, a how question and like how you relate to this and some things, but for everybody listening, when I said earlier, that like trauma is relative. Like, you know, we just talked through the lens of like, and and you are all aware if you listen to any of my previous episodes in the beginning, like I attempted suicide. I've been through this, had that same thing, like all of it and, and all these pieces. And uh, number one is uh, understanding when I say trauma is relative, like that's a really extreme example, but anything in your life, any emotion, any story, Anything that doesn't allow you to make the choices and drive the car in the way that you want and feel good about it is the same thing as that, just in a smaller lens. And so those are our behaviors because like we'll get this identity of like, oh, I'm an addict or boom. But then also like we forget that when we are living our life with our mom and our dad or our partner and then we go to a personal development weekend for three days and they don't and we come home, their child, their partner that they knew just died. There's a mourning period. There's a adjustment period. There's a reintegration period of like all these little things. And I think that that's like one of the most important parts to like understand is that it's not that it has to be this big thing or that your whole life has to feel like it's over. It could be as simple as every day at 9 a.m. realizing that you don't feel as good because you didn't work out again this morning. And why is that continually happening? Right. It, 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 and it doesn't matter. And neither does the why. But what does matter, as Thich Nhat Hun says, is that the moment you recognize you are, you no longer are. Because at that point, it's a conscious choice. Yes. And just having that awareness, being able to have that awareness yeah. is everything. How you articulate all of this is just so beautiful. I love it. I really appreciate it. It's nice to hear. I appreciate you saying that because um, I've always been, like I told you previously, I didn't really know how to speak or um, 
build connections. So hearing you say that means a lot because I've always, that's been a limiting belief of mine that I've had to break. Like, oh, I can't do public speaking. Oh, I, I can't have in-depth conversations on screen because I'm too nervous. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I was flying from Bali no idea that we each other existed and your reel got my attention enough to watch content to get you and be like, Hey, I know we're scheduled out the podcast till February. Can you move it please? Because I want to talk to her on the podcast. It's so funny. how things. So if you're a words of affirmation gal, then take that one as evidence. But yeah, your story isn't uh yeah. Cause I want to ask you this. I will now I have two questions, but this one's interesting. I also had to realize in my recovery that that's a very big difference between authenticity and intimacy. And in the early stages in my recovery, my authenticity became my new addiction to hide because I was over vulnerable to emotionally hijack conversations and basically be like, hey, here I am, take it or leave it. Almost like brunt force, the other way of me clinging to people. And then it took me years of like these little flexes and tweaks and like I won't ever go listen to a podcast of mine from like eight years ago there's like over 10,000 of them on the <laughs> internet and I can tell you that every single podcast intro was the same anybody who interviewed me like oh tell me your story and I hit it like a fucking rap sheet sexually abused but I could still script it out right now if I wanted to and I remembered it and it was like in my recovery I was making the story my new identity so that I could recreate the process again and just make it sneakier because now it was like all in my brain and it created massive dissonance for me, massive. And so for me, I attempted to take my life in 2005 and I overdosed on opiates and I woke up the next day and it was the craziest thing because I didn't think I was alive. It was like an out-of-body experience. And, uh, and it was enough to be like, okay, don't do that again. But it wasn't enough to say stop dancing with it and stop still being bulimic and still binging and then taking opiates when you do and, and looking at the bottle like that didn't go away. And it wasn't until the years of that identity and then it hitting me after my dad died and then in Afghanistan and witnessing what I witnessed that it all kind of like collapsed together. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> The great unraveling, and, if you and will. And it unraveled itself in the same way it raveled up, but it went to CrossFit, which then I was like, oh, I got to be the best. But that's the only reason I found paleo, which turned me into a paleo food blogger because I wanted to beat my addiction. So I've realized if I cooked a recipe and posted it every day, nobody would know I was being accountable, but I was holding myself accountable to eating clean and I wouldn't binge and purge when I did it. And so the addiction actually created the solution because then I became a food blogger and ended up on a New York Times bestselling book tour while still actively bulimic and then coming clean in a talk. And then it changed my entire life and career and gave purpose and meaning that I was open about bulimia and all these things that I realized most people who were trying to eat healthy or had things and were conscious had trauma and stories in their lives and they emotionally ate too and they had blank. And so then it's really funny because in, in, in all of it, it's actually the only reason that like the path went there. And it's funny because I said this to somebody the other day, but I was like, the hardest thing for me for years is that the things that people celebrated me for were byproducts of me, either in addictions or running from addictions. Yep. And now, and I know you get that 
most people don't get that. And now though, it's like really kind of cool because I see them all as the stepping stones that kind of created the whole reason like I'm here now. Yeah, it is. It is incredible looking back because you always hear that. It's like, oh, one day it's going to make sense. And you're like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, and, and then this... now I'm like, oh, now all that makes sense. So now the more I know, the less I realize I know and the more I have to learn. And it takes a lot longer in between each chapter. <laughs> That's what it feels like now. Yeah. And then it's a very humbling place, though, because it's almost like I feel like this like excitement in me of like, oh, I don't know. Oh yeah, okay, I can be better. Oh yeah, yeah, ha ha ha. Okay, got it. Like it's kind of like childlike a little bit for me. Yeah. I I can relate to that on a similar level like with hiking when I first started and first became a fitness yeah. coach for long distance yeah. hiking. It was I felt like I had to be the best. Yes. I had to be the fastest. I had to be the leanest like because that's when people would listen to me and I could never it started that thing again where I couldn't form relationships because I was full of shit because that's not who I am <laughs> and it created like this that feeling again where I was like oh my god like it this is not in alignment like I hate mm -hmm. this I hate this feeling because you're pretty much like I was pretty much lying because I'm not I'm not the fastest I'm not you know I still carry extra weight uh -huh. I still all these things and I'm like when I finally just was like you know what that's all bullshit <laughs> like I <laughs> I'm yeah. not the fastest hiker but c comparing myself to who I was 10 years mm -hmm. ago like holy crap somebody stopped me but if I'm comparing myself to somebody who's like a crazy mountaineer I'm like wow I really want to yeah, die yeah, for sure <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this. I love this. There's another, uh, I'm going to have to tell you all these books after, but there's another book on that one called The Gap in the Gain by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. And, I've never heard of that yeah, one either. And it's the paradigm of how like when we get triggered or we get under constraint or we struggle, that all we'll look at is the insurmountable gap ahead instead of looking at the gain that we've made, which is the evidence that creates motivation, by the way. And because motivation is self-trust to start again until you figure it out. That's all that is. Get your ass off the couch, right? And so that's what the book, <laughs> The Gap and the Gain does, but even like breaks down like how and why. So that's another good one based on that. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll text you a list after because you'll probably use them for like your clients too. <laughs> Well, and like, I want to mention yeah, a book please. that oh I'm Oh my God, right I was going to ask you anyway, stuff. so. <laughs> so it's actually right okay, beside me it? and you might have read it. It's um, The Greatness Mindset. I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but I know, I know Lewis, which is, is nice. I love how oh, when you went he's... to grab it, I looked my head like I could see around your camera. <laughs> like I was going to get a peek before you pulled it over. <laughs> yeah, it's just, he talks a lot about finding your meaning, meaningful mission and like what that actually looks like. And he talks a lot about himself being an athlete and how he felt the same. Like he had to be the best. He had to do all these things, but he was basically avoiding all the real work. And so you hit this cap where you're pretty much forced to look at everything you've been running yeah. from. Cause it's easy to just keep going forward and making all these huge accomplishments. But like, 
what are you running yeah. from? What is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did a podcast this morning for our show and I was like, this is what I figured out. If I can't end this podcast and be willing to just sit in this chair by myself until I fall asleep and be excited about it, I got work to do. Right. Like I got work to do. I'm like, nope, there's work to be done. Right. Cause like that, that's it. Like if I can't willingly and excitingly be with myself, not that I would have to be, but like I got, I got, I got work to do. Totally. And like, what does that mean? You know, like um, avoiding all distractions, like being on your phone, listening to podcasts, reading books, you know, diving into toxic personal development. Oh, yeah. Like, like, what a. We out here now. We out here now. This is, this is so true. (laughs) Girl, what you're doing, let me tell you how good you are. You're basically summarizing my last 400 podcast episodes in like succinct fortune cookie nuggets. And I'm like, hey, ladies and guys listening. She's saying it too. Just so take her her devout fortune cookies of wisdom. No, I love this. Keep preaching, girl. I'm just gonna listen. Well, I, and it is it is a toxic cycle of always diving into personal development, always working on yourself, always doing all these things. But what about if you just stood still for a yep. second? What does that look like for you? What does it look like when you're not on Instagram or you're not binge watching a Netflix TV show or you're just alone Mm -hmm. with yourself like what does that look like for you Mm -hmm. and how do you feel when you do that and I think like a lot of people are like yeah (laughs) like you yeah oh me (laughs) me me too and by the way for everybody like uh I still binge Netflix occasionally and I find it yeah of course we do right and then it's like oh but then the thing is is that over time what ends up happening is that very quickly in that moment my brain calculates where I'm spending my time in relation to where I want to be, but because I'm not mad about it, I'm like, no, actually, I'd rather watch the Netflix show, right? But it's not a, oh, you asshole, you failure, you blank. It's a, no, there's some part of me right now that is is getting a payoff from being here, right? Like right now, my barometer is like, this feels better from like an authentic aligned place than, than going anywhere else. Absolutely. Like, have you ever had that too? Like I've had that happen to me on so many hikes, right? And both sides, right? Like I'll be like, I'm so fucking tired. I'm so sore, right? Like I, I, I can't believe I'm doing this today. It was supposed to be 70. Now I'm hiking this glacier in shorts and it's snowing, right? And like every <laughs> step is like, ugh, ugh, right? Like I'm going to die. I can't do it. And then there's this one point where I'm like, boom and it's like you shoved a duracell battery up my ass and i turn into superman and then i'm like i can fly right and then there's been other times where i've gone out there and i've been like okay i'm gonna crush this right like i am going and i've gotten a mile into the hike broken down in tears sat there and just cried and then walked my happy ass back to my car and said thank you mountain I appreciate you today. (laughs) Thank you for class. Thank you for taking me to church. Right? Like, I'm out. Totally. And I was just, I just mentioned this in one of my recent Instagram posts is that in everyday life, like we don't really notice that we are rolling, right? We're just going through the motions. And I find when I have a big hike or travel trip planned, I usually end up having one of the worst nervous breakdowns of my life because I've just been trying so hard to make it to that point that I can finally just relax. 
And it's so interesting because a lot of the people that I, I go hiking with, they feel the same. It's so funny. We end up crying and we end up like laughing and we end up just like laying it all out there. And it was like, oh, it feels so much better. But it's it's interesting how we're always trying to just like get to this point where we can finally just yep. be. And it's, yeah, learning how to just be able to do that in everyday life mm-hmm. is so important just because like, you know, we're always working towards a vacation or we're always working towards the next big um, achievement or the next big goal in our gym that we very rarely stop and just like, yeah, celebrate, like celebrate yourself, celebrate like where you are right now. Yeah. Like I am so guilty for that still to oh, this for day. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I tell people, yeah. people this all the time. And for everybody listening, by the way, if I heard myself talking six years ago, I'd be like, you hokey bullshit snake oil salesman. <laughs> That's what I would have said. And I said that shit. I said that shit. And boy, oh boy, was I wrong. So I'm completely okay if you're calling me a snake oil right now. And when you come back in five years, I won't say anything except I love you. But I will wink at you because I know. Because uh, I've been there too. But yeah, it's it's so true. And it's so real. And like what I... What I so like because of my childhood, I very much struggled. Like I always felt misunderstood. I couldn't communicate. I never got things like I didn't really have a good education. So I I could only learn things by like doing them. Like I had to do it to like learn absolutely everything Um, to the point where that made me lose my train of thought. That was a really interesting one. (laughs) Hello, open loop. Hopefully I remember that one to close it. What was I talking about right before that? We were talking about, um, like getting trapped in the never ending like achievement sector and learning how to celebrate. Oh yeah. Learn- oh, I was talking about how hokey this all sounded. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. How hokey this all sounded. But then by <laughs> my, my, my thing that I realized is that I use like a triage nurse as the example right now, because at any moment, like I'm not aware of the whole situation. I'm just running down like one path. And then the goal is like pause as many times as possible during the day to be like, where am I? Right? Like, do I want to be here? Do I want to like to the point, like if you do listen to the podcast, which you don't have to, but I can explain these to you. But like, I have this SOS model where it's like, we have people map out their day of like, what would fill their bucket and make them who they want to be in their mind, their body and their being in the future. And then the three in their business that if they do these three things every day, they're basically telling me the lights are guaranteed to stay on. Right. And they commit to doing those things. But then if they have something come up, we have a model called the SOS, which is a pattern interrupt model to get them into that pause space. So you can kind of choose how to respond. And I think one of the biggest takeaways, or yeah, takeaways more so gifts that I've gotten through my recovery more than anything is self-trust. Like it's just this massive, massive self-trust to the point now where I feel like there's more self-trust deposits. So my brain doesn't even bother throwing out most of the own shitty thoughts anymore because they're just going to get the oxygen sucked out of them. And so I was going to ask you because earlier you were talking about how, when you got clean and sober, it was different and you were still drinking, but you, you chose hiking, right? But you were also talking about how, in Kyrgyzstan, which I got stuck in Bishkek for three weeks. It was miserable. Um, I, yeah, I did yep, too. <laughs> yep. Complete side story, but we'll talk about that after the show. Uh, cause that will not relate to anything on this podcast <laughs> for anybody. Um, 
Oh, that's that's really really funny. But like you talked about how like you you started to realize like there's nothing for me out there. There's no magic answer. That like no one's gonna write me a permission slip, right? So like I want to ask like how like how did that look like for you? Was it taking scared action? Was it taking it bite by bite? Like how in that space when you felt there? And I know now that's a, I, I've been asked this question, so I'd like to hear because then I don't know. Like I remember being in those moments and be like, I, I, I'm never going to make it out of this. And now half those moments I can't remember. But I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like really, really curious because you also see so many women go through this. Like what are some of those like first steps that like really helped you? Like what was that like? So when I like in those moments where I was like, had those earth shattering realizations that like, holy crap, like if I can't learn how to be happy in my everyday life, Mm -hmm. like the day to day that I'm not going to find it anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And that was devastating for me. And it still is because sometimes I still get stuck in that and I'm like, Oh yeah. (laughs) And thank you for saying that because I I was going to ask that because I do. I do. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something that I've, I've learned on repeat for years Mm -hmm. and years. And I think just realizing for one, social media is full of shit. Yes. (laughs) 100%. Like, and it's in the very basic day-to-day things that we actually find joy in, in life. And if you can't find joy in those things, then you're not going to find it anywhere else. And I think just being very aware of that every day, like being like, okay, I need to stop and just like, remember how this feels because this is a good moment. Yep. And, you know, I, I feel like happiness is a bad gauge of what to chase after because it's just like being hungry or you know, those, it just, it's fleeting. So if you're always chasing that, you're chasing some like fleeting, non-existent Mm -hmm. thing. It's not a destination. Mm -hmm. It's just a feeling that comes and Mm -hmm. goes. And being aware of that, that nothing, I guess nothing lasts forever, right? Good times, bad times. You know how I relate, you know how I relate this? Cause I'm a simple man, right? Like I was a Marine. So everybody makes fun of me. Right. And I was like, yes, I only had a few crayons. I did eat them. I did sign that contract, right? But there were only three colors in my box. It was black, white, and pink, right? Those are it, right? So I'm simple. So I relate this to like a song because I think of so many songs that I love, but there's a few songs, there's like a part or two in the song where I'm like, why'd they put this in here? Like, it's almost like I'm like, all right, can I get through this part, right? Or like I would fast forward it back in the day, but it's just a part of the modulation. And like, I almost look at my, I try to look at my day like it's like that, like it's a song. And if there's a part that I'm not enjoying, as long as I keep listening and listening for me is intentionally moving right in some direction aware towards my goals, as long as I do that, that part of the song is coming up and maybe they hit slow down and they put it on 0.25 because I talk too fast (laughs) and so does my inner dialogue. (laughs) And maybe it takes a little bit longer in the low place. But what I also know is that as long as I remain consistent, Right. And I try to flex these muscles because like when you said that earlier, it's like, yeah, for me, I had 37 years of flexing a muscle and I learned that I did it wrong. Not wrong. I learned that there was a more efficient way to do it that leads to happiness now. And I've been flexing it for maybe four years 
it still defaults back about that equation. And so now I relate it to a radio dial because it's simple man, right? I need to be able to remember these things <laughs> when I'm triggered, right? And I'm like, oh, reticular activating system. Oh, somebody or something knocked my dial out. How do I get it back to that right frequency? How do I get it back to that right frequency? Yeah. And so like, I've literally been like NLP hypnosis conditioning myself for like the last couple of months that the moment I don't feel like like the moment I feel something other than like what I want, I'm okay with it. But if it has like a, a negative connotation, I'm like radio dial, radio dial, radio dial. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, turn it, turn it, turn it. That's what it, <laughs> that's what it feels like for me. Yeah. I, I heard an interesting quote um, by Alex yep. Ramosi. He's probably my favorite, one of my favorites right now. Um, but he says, if you had a child, and you wanted to teach them patience, you probably wouldn't give them things right away. And if you wanted to teach them, I forget how it goes. I'm probably going to butcher okay. it. But basically, like, when you think of things like the pain and the suffering or whatever you want to call it, if you think of these things as the price we pay for the skills we want to acquire, yep. it's a lot easier to endure those not so great moments because you're putting in the time to gain something yep. in the yeah. end. Uh, well, like, and what I, and I love this because I'm like, yeah, like I think about when I'm really passionate about something, right? Like a sport I enjoy and I'm playing with like racquetball. Like I fucking love racquetball. And as soon as I get off this podcast, there's a group of 10 of us on Tuesday, two former pros <laughs> and then a professor who taught it. And then a ton of us like older young dudes i'm like the youngest one but they're all savages and i love it like i fucking <laughs> love it right and we play for like three hours and i burn 1400 1500 calories right and i literally get tired and i'm like yeah let's keep going let's keep going you take me and put me on a treadmill and try to get me to burn 1500 calories you are out no. of your fucking mind right but then Absolutely. If that's my goal, though, and that's my mechanism, I also realize that I will do those 1500 calories. But I have to remember, like, it's a part of the process, right? Like, it's just like, okay, cool, this is the game I have to follow. It doesn't mean that it's bad or it's wrong, because if you're enjoying it, you celebrate it. If it's an activity that you're not, you kind of make it wrong. But every one of us has one of those things when we're like, I was on that run, and then I was so tired, and then I was like, oh my God, this is making me stronger. I'm going to keep going. Or fuck, I'll tell you one that happened this morning. I'm looking at my suitcases and I was like, these things ain't going to unpack themselves. And then I was like, fuck, I don't have any trips coming up. I don't even have to unpack it. And then I'm like, <sighs> and like, it was literally like, okay, okay. And then literally at the end, I was like, I am so happy I did that. I am so happy I did that. Like staring at you, doing everything you can to avoid yeah, it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And it gets louder and uglier, and like it. Then, like I literally would have driven to the office today and spent forty-five minutes thinking about my pink fucking suitcase on the floor. <sighs> well, and that's so relatable to everything. Yes. Like it's the same as if you sit there and you think about how much you don't want to go to the yep. gym, or you don't want to, or like think about how depressed you are, or whatever it is. It's like the more you think about it, the more it's like, oh my god. Yeah. And so what's funny is like, so that story I referenced earlier, which was like March of 2020, when I had all that clarity, I was like, holy fuck, I have to change my container in my environment. This isn't about me working out anymore. This is me changing my identity. And in, in, 
in that clarity, what I realized is that I didn't know who I wanted to be. Like I was an athlete for a competition or blank, but I never asked myself, like, how do I want to feel? How do I want to look? What do I want to be able to do? And it just so happened I found hiking and I was like, oh yeah, I want these things. But like, I was an intense dude. I was a Marine for 13 years, right? 4 a.m. till midnight every night. I knew that if I got into some routine, I would go, but I knew like 90 minute 4 a.m. commitment every morning, I'd find an excuse. So I literally, this was my rule. I just had to have my car parked in the Metroflex parking lot by 5 a.m. every day for 30 days. I did not have to go into the gym. If I got there, the only thing I had to do was stay there for an hour. And if that meant in my car, which happened three times, it was a nap, the most violent tears I've ever shed in my life. And then I couldn't stop listening to a song on repeat that had me giggling. And so I laughed instead of working out. And then every other time though, I went into that gym for a minimum of 20 minutes. And it was only because I like practiced the consistency and I didn't make it about the result or how hard I ran. And I understood that if I set out to run a 10 minute mile today, it's better that I run a 12 than not run one at all. Oh my God. Yes. This is consistency. Like I see it all the time where people think that they have to be at this level of perfection. They're hitting everything perfectly. And that's not what consistency is. Consistency is doing what you can with what you have. Consistency is actually the only thing that will give you the pitch to hit a home run. It actually is the only thing. Because like one of my, one of my dear, dear friends, mentors, uh, Jeff Spencer, he's responsible for like 70 gold medals at the Olympics. And he's an Olympian himself, Lance, Lance Armstrong, Tiger Woods coach, mindset primarily. And he taught this to me a long time ago. He's like, George, do you know why champions win? And I'm like, I start spitting off like blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, no, one word, (laughs) one word, George. And I was like, uh, and he's like temperance temperance is why they win because they get 70% as the secret to winning because they train at 70% all year. And then when they need to be at a hundred, they are, and they come back, but that means 70 is their median. It's just their average. They take rest days, they get injuries, but if they hit that 70%. And so my goal has always been like 70% now, and it's true. And like, you know, I, I say this when I speak, I'm like, Hey, you have two clients and you know, you're like, Oh, I want to learn how to run a marathon. I'm like, great. Here's a book, read this for six months, then go run. Or, Hey, here's some running shoes. Just go out for an increased one minute every day. Only one of them is going to finish that marathon. Yeah. And only one of them is going to learn what he yes. actually needs to learn about running when he gets a sore spot on his foot. And then was like, Oh, I need a shoe that does this instead of buying one off the internet and not knowing, and then having to go through three pairs, right? Like it's all. Oh, it's. And it's the same with anything, yes. weight loss, entrepreneurship. Yes. It's messy action. Messy action. It's the only thing. you can, Messy action. Yep. And you can sit there and you can plan and you can prep and you can get all the clothes and you can get all the things, but that isn't going to make you. And just to throw like the third one in the mix, since you brought Lewis in and Alex in, and I'll just give the last one credit. And Gary says it, ideas are shit and execution's everything, right? And here's what I learned. The clarity that I was looking for was waiting for me in the action I wasn't taking. Oh my God. Yes. And the moment that quote, I yes, took the action like... 
everything got clear. And I talk about this on the podcast all the time, but because we're like hiking BFFs, I was like, it's the moment where you're like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then you let out the cry. And then the moment the cry is done, the next 50 years of your life makes sense with such peace and joy that you never want to forget it. I'm like that, that. Yeah. And Mike Tyson says the magic you're looking for is in the work you won't do. And it, it's true. I'm guilty of it too. I spent my whole life, like so long, just like completely avoiding, like, you know, planning, like before I was a coach, for example, I'll use this. uh, I felt like I had to get a university degree, multiple. I felt like I had to get all my certifications. I felt like I had to do all these things and I did them and it, it, didn't like I learned a lot, For obviously, sure. but it did nothing but prolong the process of me helping yep, people. Yep. Right. Like I already had all the experience because I had gone through it through it yep. myself. I didn't need all these fancy degrees and all these things to tell me that I could help yep. people. And I was just avoiding yep. the real yep. work. Yep. That, I yeah. I did I did action. I did a podcast on this that relates. I called it Kevin Costner lied to you. It's bullshit. If you build it, <laughs> they don't come. You have to build it with them. Right. And that's building yourself like brick by brick. And this is this is the hardest part. Like I, I, I asked this in a keynote like two years ago. I'm like, hey, everybody put your hand in the air if you've ever read a fortune cookie that landed for you. Right. And everybody's hands went up. Right. I was like, cool. Everybody put your hands down. I'm like, everybody put your hand up if you realize that if you listened and implemented that fortune cookie every day for the last however many years since you read it, that you would be living in the dream that you currently have. And literally over half the audience's hands go up. And what we forget and like what I forgot for years and like some of my best teachers always tried to teach me this, but I didn't understand is They're like, son, success is simple. It's about doing the basics deeper and better than everybody and never getting away from them. Oh my God. And yes. like that's, the basics. that's literally like my life's work now because it, it also makes deposits at the foundational level. If you study NLP that then hit every hour hierarchy pick your model they all they all fill in but it titrates fully in to kind of like everything and so the the term i use that i throw around all the time is container but this is kind of how i healed and it's all future stuff right you pick nicola Perra's book do the work or benjamin hardy's books right be your future stuff now 10x is better personalities and permanent what i realized is that in those moments when i was down or i was off or i was emotional i wasn't going to have the emotional bandwidth or capacity to make a decision to go do something. So that's where the word container came from. And so like one container is, Hey, I have to be in the gym parking lot by five and stay till six, but it doesn't matter what I do. Right. And so Mm -hmm. what I do is I, I have a model called the wedge of expectations and I have people create like that container, right? Like for movement, right. I'm like on your dream day, how much would you work out there? I work out for now. I'm like, great on your worst day like absolute, absolute worst day. Right. And then they're like, Oh, like a five minute walk outside. So the best day is the ceiling and the worst day is the floor. And so then when you make the container, the consistency comes from protecting the floor and the container, but always hitting the minimum, like always hitting the minimum. And I've had a hard time over the years and now increasing this, convincing myself that I don't have space to go for a 30 minute walk outside every day, but it started with a five minute walk. Right. And then it went to a 10 minute walk and like my stillness practice, which I do every morning and I make my clients do, which is literally practicing boredom, practicing the state of being. 
it started with me only being able to sit still for five minutes, right? With no thoughts, not writing anything down, no music, just observation. And then it got to a point where I was doing it for four hours a day. And I like crave that again, right? And it's just, you got to just create these containers that don't, that don't get you to the 26 mile marker. I just need you to get to the first yard line that you can see. And if you have never run before and you tell me that you think you can run a hundred yards, well, guess what, sweetheart? We're running a hundred yards and now I have your floor. And so tomorrow we're just going to run at least a hundred or we'll stretch if we need a rest day. But as long as we protect that floor and then always just try to go another step when we get there, we can't lose. No, you can't. You, it's, and this gets overlooked all the time because it's not flashy and sexy, right? The basics are not mm-hmm. uh, glamorous mm-hmm. or, you know, <laughs> and it really is. It's like the little tiny habits that end up building you into these huge achievements because, yeah, just baby steps going from step one to step two to step three, not going from step one to step 20. Yep. And failing every time and ending back up at step yep. zero and trying to like keep doing Yeah, that. because you also and, recognize yeah. that when you try to go step one to step six, that there was a slight one degree course alteration that you missed in your journey because you skipped steps two and three that were needed for step seven that you can't get to because you went to step six. So now you have to go all the way back to step <laughs> one and reinstill the foundations to take out those now shitty muscle memory behaviors and then go back through one, (laughs) two, three, four, five, six, seven. Totally. It's like that old saying, um, putting the cart before the horse and then trying so hard to like get it to move when you could really just switch. It's so, (laughs) it's so true. And like this, and this is the hardest part because then this is the paradox of it is like when I'm sitting alone and I'm like, all right, am I having this thought that I should be working out because it's aligned with my vision or am I avoiding something? Or do I just want to be a savage right now? Or am I bored? Or am I? And I'm like, but if that's where I am, instead of you're such a failure, I'm like, great, great. I'm in presence, right? Like I'm in reflection. I'll take it. I also have a movie recommendation for you and everybody listening. I don't know if I've recommended this on the podcast because it's a pretty obscure movie that's only on Apple TV, um, but it's called Chasing the Present. And it is is the movie that uh, I could say that movie significantly had an impact on my life and that's what introduced me to my stillness practice but I'll definitely be watching I don't know if you (laughs) resonate with this but I remember that when I was like in therapy and going through all this from the addictions and the PTSD I remember just telling him like I just don't want to be here this isn't fun like I'm just numb and uh this therapist looked me dead in the eye and she's like numb is a feeling and it like broke my whole fucking paradigm because I was convincing myself I couldn't feel and uh, and it kind of like broke my paradigm. And I went home that night and I just remember I could never sit still. Like I was going, going, going like 12, 12 midnight, 1 a.m. up at five. Go, 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 go. Or I'm failing, 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 failing. Right. And then uh, I put this movie on randomly. Wife and kids were out of town. I was in a pretty low place. And this one part of this movie comes up and he asks one of the teachers a question and he answers it and it like broke my paradigm and I hit pause and I was laying on my couch, super bright, staring at my ceilings, probably 8 PM. And I was just overwhelmed with the want to be present. And I started staring at the ceiling and I sat there for eight hours and I didn't move and I had nothing but joy in my body. And it wasn't, 
oh, this went by in a minute. No, it felt like 50 years and I enjoyed every fucking moment of it. And that movie is the thing that did it for me. It's called Chasing the Present on Apple TV. I'll definitely be watching that. And that's such a huge moment because I want I want to relate that to when I quit my full-time yes. job to do coaching full-time. So I was a welder for almost 20 oh, years. Badass. So that's a good skill to have. <laughs> it was good, but it's it was yeah, tough oh, it's being tough. a woman, especially back yeah. then, like um, when there was no girls in in the industry. And I went through a lot. It it definitely broke my spirit in a mm. lot of ways. But once again, I was just seeing the finish line. Like, oh, I can't wait to quit my job. I can't wait to quit my job. That's what I want. And then when the time finally came. I realized that I had never been grateful for the good things. I was so focused on all the shitty negative aspects that I didn't stop to be grateful for the good people, mm-hmm. the good times I had. The And it was such a weird feeling being overcome with like such sadness because I realized that for a huge chunk of my life, I never just saw the good mm-hmm. in anything. Mm-hmm. I just saw all the bad aspects and I was – it was an emotion that I didn't think that I'd have. I thought I'd be very excited, and I, I wasn't. I was heartbroken. Yeah. Well, and it was because well, your, your radio yeah. dial got knocked into the wrong channel for thirty years, and then the gift is is that whatever that catalyst was is what let you realize that there was another channel. That's the best part. That's the catalyst, and then that channel becomes that part of the hero's journey where you slay the dragon, but then you have to return to the village to teach the lesson. And then magically you become a coach. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> haven't haven't heard that one before. <laughs> Here's her origin story. And then we know the kryptonite already. So here we go. I love that. I love that. What is what? And this is just so random, but like, Anything that like you, and I'm sure there's a lot, but like, what's one of like the biggest things that you picked up from welding that you kind of carry through is like something that supported you because like, that's a tough job, but it's also very skilled and like to even go into that, right? That's kind of like, I'm going into this, this area. And so like, what are some of the things that are like, do you have any takeaways from doing that or things that you learned that you still apply? I think that it taught me to be quite resilient. I think it did teach me how to stand up for myself. Uh-huh. I think it taught me how to endure, like, not the greatest circumstances. Even your work. I mean, I don't know what type of welder you are, but, like, I've seen a lot of welders. Like, that's, like, working under force constraint for, like, finding your soul. Yeah. And, I mean, from a... Uh, my perspective, yeah. a woman's perspective, it it is, I don't know if you've watched the Barbie movie, but I was like, oh my God. And it's just this never ending assumption that I know nothing. I'm treated like it's my first day, even after 20 years of experience. I'm treated like I don't know anything about anything. And that was the main repetitive year after year after year. And it was just like so frustrating. So I think I I learned to not a plus was like, I learned really fast not to let others 
like opinions or their beliefs mm-hmm. come onto mine because okay I don't it doesn't matter if you think I can't do yeah. anything I'm this is not like <laughs> a battle I want to endure today like okay yeah but, just because you have an opinion doesn't mean I opened my bank for your deposit yeah exactly like, this is what I and, this is what I tell people I'm like hey listen you don't remember a lyric to every song that you listen to why do you try to remember every shitty thing people say about you? If you don't like a song, what do you do? You fucking change it or turn it off. If you don't like a book you're yeah. reading, the best advice I ever got was put it down and start a new one. Not every book's for you to read. Not every song's for you to listen <laughs> yeah. to. And I'll tell you, most people's opinions you don't want to hear. So just yeah. turn the song off. Change that shit. And isn't it interesting how we always remember the bad things people say about mm-hmm. us. We don't remember the people who mm-hmm. told us that we inspire them or that, you know, they give us all these compliments and we're like, oh yeah, but we listen to the mm-hmm. people who have something mm-hmm. negative to say about us. And then you realize that it's just a muscle that's atrophied. It's a yeah. muscle that you had until you had a paradigmed form of the world at eight. And that you were taught to be a certain way and then you have a midlife crisis or a catalytic moment and you spend the rest of your life remembering what it was like to be somewhere between the age of zero and eight and that's what the human experience is. <laughs> I've thought about that one a lot. There it is. I was Boom, like, that's it. Drop. I was like, no, that's, that's what I think about all the time. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Oh, man. It's so it, – yeah. but it's, it's, it's in that though when you said earlier, like it, it happens in the mess, right? Like that's, that's where it happens. And so when you get that, you realize that every single human has trauma. It's not from your parents. It's from everywhere. You hear a loud noise, you get it's... trauma. You see something, you get trauma. You study Buddhism. It's about embracing suffering to be alive, right? They have a term called bodhisattva, which is one who chooses to surpass enlightenment for the betterment of humanity. You look at stoicism. You talk about mastering your emotions to be able to know when to drive or not drive. You talk about, I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war, which requires you to know every ounce of your shadow and what you're capable of, both as a man and a woman, right? Like, we're just, it's like, let's go. Like, let's go. Let's play because the more we play, the prettier the picture gets. If we don't like the color we put down, we can just fucking paint over it. But it's way better than just staring at a blank wall. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's such a good analogy. Like, See, three colors of crayons. Change. I can't remember the smart shit, but I can make it easy to remember and digest. So I get it. Simple. Yeah. It, yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, And, and, and like, I, I'm a little insecure about this and I just noticed this in this moment, but like when I speak, I, I want to say this to a lot of people, the reason I, I repeat things so much, I'm a verbal processor, but I try to make things memorable is so that when I'm faced with like a bad thought or something, I have a really easy lyric or something that I've made to anchor in like, oh, this isn't real, George, or you know, action's the only way. Or it's almost like I try to build in my own lyrics in my head that are oxygen eradicators for when like, I feel like my world is ending because of the situations that I'm involved in or like losing millions of dollars in a month. You only lose when you believe the feeling because then you react and you make another decision that makes it worse, right? You win when you observe the feeling and then choose how to respond. And so like, I get a little insecure about it because I know I'm a broken record, but it's more for me than anybody. (laughs) I'm just like programming these lyrics and I'm like, no, look, it works. Like it, it works, right? Like, it's just like, if you listen to the same song on repeat, 
a hundred times a day, you're going to know every ounce of that song and your brain's going to sing it even when it ain't singing it. Totally. Yeah. And for me, I always pictured myself like when everything's crashing down and I feel like everything, like I'm so stressed out, I can't, I'm overwhelmed and feel like one little thing is just going to like shatter me into pieces. I, I picture myself just like stepping out of the box. That's a good one too. Like, okay, is this, is this a real, like I'm too involved emotionally in it. If I just step out of the box and look at it, it's like, well, no, you just do this first and then you, Yeah, (laughs) it's a lot easier once you look at it from a logical perspective Mm -hmm. and being such an emotional person, I have to constantly remind myself to be like, okay, wait, let me just step out of this box for a mm-hmm. second and look at it from like somebody who's not emotionally tied to it yeah. at all. What would yeah. they do? Yeah. I love that. I love that breakdown. Cause it's also like the emotional part is only one part of the recipe. The logical part is the next part of the mess recipe. And then the last part is where you want to go. Cause like you actually kind of have to weigh like all of them. And so like, that's where the, and I think for me, like the reason I think my stillness practices work so well is because like it almost forced this patience to where like I used to literally get triggered and I'd be like, I'd make a rule that I couldn't tell my coach for 48 hours, right? To the point where that turned into coaching for my clients. And I'm like, hey, if you send me a Voxer that's over a minute, I'm going to respond and say no. Because if you can't tell me in a minute what your question is, you don't have enough clarity yet and only you have that answer. Oh, that's so right. True. And so it's like, but when you preframe these things, so I try to do them to myself, like kind of all the time and across the board. So yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Wow. Okay. Most random question. Cause we have to start landing this plane so I don't get a UTI and, uh, but we'll have to do this again. <laughs> and I know, I know we will. Um, so this one's really out of left field and I'm really excited to hear your answer to this one. Cause I haven't asked this one in months. If you could be two okay. spirit animals combined, what would they be and why do you choose them? Oof. And spirit animals, like in the nope, actual any, animal Anything world. you want. Anything you want. It's your world, girl. It's your canvas. I've heard it all. If I had two spirit Oh, that is a deep question. I don't... I could be two spirit animals combined. I... So being from yeah. Canada, you're from yeah. Montana. I feel like a grizzly uh-huh. bear would I, be mine. It's actually my logo for I my company. I see that for you all day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I'm i going to have to say, like, I relate a lot to an eagle. God. So the... Yeah, I see that for you. The beast on the yeah. ground and, like, the heroic hero in the sky, I... I should say like a griffin. I've always been yeah. attracted to a griffin because they're like the ultimate mm-hmm. beast, the ultimate protector. Mm-hmm. And so if that was an option, I would choose a griffin. Yeah, like that sounds like a character that's going to go slay any dragon that exists in the world, like a grizzly bear and a griffin, like a flying grizzly bear that's like thinking, <laughs> I love this for you. This feels like it checks out for me. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just half eagle, half grizzly yeah. bear. Yeah, they can like yeah. weld its own dominion to live in. <laughs> Could you imagine a flying grizzly bear that's gonna haunt me now? <laughs> well, when when um, somebody asked me, uh, I got asked that like six years ago, five years ago, and I I thought on it and I responded, a uh, bald eagle and a killer whale. 
and I'll never forget it because like my spirit animal is a jaguar, right? And then um, I have a connection to owls, uh, but primarily jaguars. But in that moment, I answered it. And I, I, I don't remember my answer, but it was very, very aligned for me. It was around loyalty. It was around sight. It was around community and like almost being feared, respected, but the fear is healthy and you know, it's just there to love you. Right. Like kind of like one of those things. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. This, this one, this one works for me. Right. Like, and I, I don't ask everybody, but like, sometimes I'm just like, I feel called to ask and God, I'm so glad I asked you because that is the best way. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. Go ahead. Like, yeah, it was just, it's interesting to think about why too, like how you just said, like the loyalty part and thinking about that a little bit deeper. It's like, I now like my main driver is like I don't ever want people to feel like they don't belong I never want anybody to feel like they can't do something you know like I want to fight every day to prove to people that somebody that had let's say all odds stacked against them and didn't come from a privilege or whatever you want to call it and they can do these things and so can you like I want to be that protector and that fighter for that's why I resonated with your content (laughs) it's kind of like for everybody listening that relationships beat algorithms and when I tell you that you can sense somebody's energy on the other side based on how aligned they are it's kind of like what she just said is the reason she's on this podcast (laughs) I feel I feel that for you I love I love that I absolutely love that and then um, any more deeper meaning on the others? Was that associated with one of the animals or both of them? Well, I think. I just love hearing your reasons, but I'm just curious, like what triggered it? Was it like the grizzly bear that went to, I want to protect or this griffin, like looking over? Yeah, I think the griffin definitely is like, you know, it's the ultimate protector. I'm looking this griffin um, up. I want a visual of what a grizzly griffin looks like. I'm going to use some AI generator to make this image and I'm going to text it to you. <laughs> I'm going to get a tattoo of it. Oh my God, that <laughs> would be so good. <laughs> oh my God. How do you spell the Griffith bird? Griff, G-R-I-P-H-E-N, I think. That's where I got stuck. That's a good, that's a good well, question. Well, <laughs> nope, that's a, that's a jet. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is why I love my, oh, found it. Okay, got it. Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-O-N. Or I am. Oh, yeah, okay. G-R-I-F-F-I-N. But it's also apparently an anime character if you add an extra F in there. Um, oh, good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This thing, I feel like this thing already is a grizzly bear with an eagle. It's like, I mean, it's a lion, which is... Oh, yeah. it's a lion. Okay. Oh, Jesus. So you went with three spirit animals. Okay, got it. So that's where that comes. That's the kingdom. That's the, that's like Pride Rock. <laughs> the kingdom. I'll be your, I'll be the Rafiki. I'll be the smart ass monkey in the kingdom. <laughs> well, and it's so interesting because like I feel like my entire past I've wanted because we never really got the chance to touch on like Oh the no, we're doing another aspect. one. We how are we going to unpack <laughs> all of this in like 1 hour and 20 minute episode? It's it's impossible. It is. We'll do we'll do but... another one cuz I actually would love to talk about okay. that. Okay. For sure. Yeah, and I think that that is so important. For, yeah. Like, uh, so here's here's how we'll wrap. Yeah. So for everybody listening, uh, we'll, we're going to do another episode for sure, if not in person after a hike, but we'll do one for sure because there's so much more. Um, but um, 
before I like kind of wrap the show, I do want to ask you this question. I do ask everybody this one and I'm really excited to hear your answer. So I want you to, you've seen men in black, you know, where they flash the thing and everybody's memory gets erased. Okay, cool. I want you to envision that everybody listening is still here. They know who you are, but they forgot everything that you said. And in this moment, you have the ability to tattoo any wisdom you want on their soul that they're going to take with them for the rest of their life. What is your tattoo wisdom? That's a deep question. My tattoo of wisdom. It could be short. It could be long. It can be a a sleeve. It can be a back piece or it can be a little ankle tattoo. I feel like I have so many that they're just like all getting clouded, like stuck in the door. What's the first one that comes to your mind? Um, Next one that comes to your mind. Stop. (laughs) Stop caring so much about what everybody else thinks. I would say don't wait to find your voice. Even I catch myself still doing this sometimes. And it's like, I have these ideas and I have this path and I know it's the path I want to follow, but I'm still seeking validation from other people to agree with me that that is the path that I should be on. And I think that that is what finding your voice actually means is trusting in yourself enough that you don't need to seek that external that is validation a, anymore. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. If there's more, go. Well, <laughs> yep, I was listening it. to this podcast on uh, Ed Milet and he had Gladys. I can't remember her last name right now, um, but she's a 103 year old holistic medicine guru. And she said, she was 93 when she finally found her voice. And that just stuck with me because I'm like, 93, what do you mean? This woman is like insane. She's created the game for like holistic medicine. But she talked a lot about how she always seeked out that external validation for her ideas. And she did that her whole life. And that's what she based her moves off of. And it wasn't until she stopped doing that that she was finally able to break past her limits. And I related to that so much because how far could I go if I just yep. Yep. And, and trusted here's my how intuition, I'll, I'll trusted wrap that to myself this. that this Just remember is that no matter how many tools you put in your toolbox, the only thing that matters is the person who's using the tool. And if you work on that one and you keep flexing that muscle, I promise you that every tool you touch will get a whole lot easier to use. And I have so much more tattoo wisdom from you that like everybody listening, this is like a repeat. But before we go, and I'm going to make sure I include your Instagram in the intro as well. um, Can you give everybody your Instagram? Because for everybody listening, if anything resonated with you, uh, a kudos to Stevie, a question, a thought, uh, anything for either of us, please shoot her a DM and let her know. Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion she appreciates those and also is there to connect and support based on what she said in the show like i never want anybody to feel anything other than welcome and here and so uh what's your instagram dear uh my instagram is stevie wander yeah stevie wander or like stevie e wander if you want to get specific with an ie stevie e wander with an ie s-t-e-v-i-e-e wander um, yes. And we'll make sure we link it in the show notes. And here's what we will do. I promise everybody we will do another episode or two or three. Um, we'll see how how deep we go since I couldn't keep a thread because I just enjoyed the conversation so much. I felt like we were at lunch and I'm like, hope that made sense to all of you. It sure made sense to me. 
<laughs> I'm like, I feel like we landed the plane safely. So here's what I will yeah, say. Between those, for those listening, like, if there's anything specific yeah, you want us to cover awesome. or talk about, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram. You all know my handle. Uh, it's George Bryant. And then we'll make sure we put it in the show notes for the next one. And so Stevie E. Wander on Instagram is the Bear Griffith lion thing. And I'm like, but you already have enough visuals. So I'm just going to leave that one. Um, but for everybody listening, uh, please make sure you go welcome Stevie into the relationship speed algorithms family since we're a family too, which is why we are so aligned. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms, especially the one with yourself. So I will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, we are done. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.